Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello, and I am your host, bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. And I tweeted this out if you follow me on Twitter. I forgot what this feels like. I, ha- I have to be honest, and, and I did not miss it. I forgot what it feels like to be sitting here at midnight, absolutely gutted and just pissed off after a brutal, brutal St. John's Big East loss in a game that they just gave away to a team that they were better than. Man, it, it feels like we've we've watched this exact game 10, 15, 20 times over the years. It felt like we were just starting to turn that corner. And this just feels like a major, major punch in the gut. Major, major step back for the Red Storm's tournament hopes, which are still alive, but are just got a lot tougher now. That road back to Indianapolis where they fell tonight or Tuesday night, depending on when you're listening to this to the Butler Bulldogs 76 to 73 in overtime. A game that St. John's led by what 14 in the first half. You knew. I mean, we we had watched the last couple of games. We watched the Providence game. We watched the Marquette game. You knew Butler was going to make a run and come back in this game. Butler just felt like they chipped away a little bit, had a nice run to get it close at the end of the first half. St. John's extends their lead to 8 going into the break. Butler makes a game to start the second half. St. John's gets their lead back up to nine at about the 13-minute mark in the uh, second half. And then from there, Butler's able to battle back in the game. St. John's had a shot at the end there, and I think that's what's going to kill me. You know, up by one, um, what was the score? 68-66. Up by two there, I'm sorry. You know, closing seconds, 14 seconds left. One, I don't know why the ball was inbounded to Rasheem Dunn, who it's hard for me to criticize Rasheem Dunn in this game. It really is because Dunn played great, especially in the second half. He hit a couple of big shots for them in the second half. I don't want to hear any criticism of Rasheem Dunn, any serious criticism of Rasheem Dunn. He carried them in that Providence game down the stretch and he played well down the stretch in this game as well. But I don't understand the point of of inbounding the ball to him there. And I don't understand the point of inbounding him the ball, you know, near the sideline, kind of in the corner there where he's going to get doubled like that. It just, to me, it was mind-blowing that that was the play call there. That ball, under no circumstances, should be in anyone's hands but Posh Alexander or Julian Champagny. Two guys who you can trust with the ball. And two guys who you trust at the line, especially when you're shooting a one-and-one. I don't feel that confident. I know Dunn has hit some big free throws for them late as well. I don't feel too confident with him at the the line there in a one-and-one spot. And we saw that in overtime, you know, down by by three when he missed the front end of a one-and-one. I didn't feel too confident in Dunn regardless. That ball needs to be in Champagny or Posh Alexander's hands. And they need to hit two free throws. And you need to win this game by four or by two in regulation. That final possession, man, I mean, that final possession felt like the entirety of the second half. I'm talking defensively for St. John's in regulation. What did Butler do? 
They got an ISO on the wing. They cleared out. There was not one guy in the paint. There was eight guys outside of the paint on each team. One-on-one ISO. And St. John's guards were being beaten. There was no help from any of the big men. Led to an easy layup. And that's exactly what you saw on that final play. It was exactly what you saw for the entire second half, it felt like. Butler shoots 23 of 39 from two-point range in this game. Just an outrageous percentage. If Butler didn't shoot a single three, they probably would have won this game by 10, 15 points if they just attacked the basket every single time because St. John's in the paint was just getting crushed in this game. Gave up 13 offensive rebounds. But the problem was just the defense. I mean, guards were just driving to the basket and getting not even contested layups. I mean, a layup is one thing. These layups weren't even contested. It was like layup practice. It was like doing layup lines in practice. I think that's partially where you lost this game as well. Was your guard just getting beaten so easy? And part of that was Posh Alexander being in foul trouble, not being able to be the you know the normal aggressive defender that he is. You know, but but just just man, that just that stinks to 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 give up that lead late, especially, and to give it up on a play that Butler had run so many times in that game. Offensively for St. John's, especially in the overtime period, but even in the final you know minutes of this game. Felt like no one wanted to attack the basket besides Dylan Adaiwusu, who again came up big at the end of regulation with a big layup. Looked like it was going to seal the win for St. John's with about 15 seconds or with about what, 30 seconds left or whatever to put them up 68 66. The kid is tough. The kid plays, you know, well beyond his years or year, I guess. But it just felt like he was the only one. Julian Champagny scored 19 points, went 6 of 13 from the field, but, you know, didn't come up huge for them down the stretch like you needed him to. Posh Alexander was playing, you know, in, in foul trouble for a lot of this game, never really got into a rhythm in this game, had the two fouls in the first half, went 4 of 10 from the field, didn't hit a three-pointer, only scores 8 points, and did not have an assist in this game. Posh did not play his best game. It was Posh's worst game in, in, in a while. But again, just didn't feel like the aggressiveness was there down the stretch. And it stinks because that was a winnable game for you. Especially taking a 16-point lead in the first half. Especially taking an 8-point lead into halftime. Especially taking a 9-point lead with 13 minutes left. And especially with a 2-point lead and the ball with 14 seconds left. That's a tough one to swallow. And it doesn't knock you out of the tournament like like entirely. It doesn't knock you out of the picture, I should say. You're out of the tournament now, obviously. But it's February 9th or February 10th now when you're listening to this. There's a lot of time left to make that up. You know, it's not like you're not going to have any opportunities. You still have Villanova on your schedule. You still have Xavier coming up next week. You still have Seton Hall. You still have UConn. Those could be four tournament teams right there. You still have a chance to stack up wins against a bad team like DePaul, the worst team in the conference. And against a team like Providence, who you just beat rather easily a couple days ago, at home now. 
you know, can you get to 10 wins in the conference still? I think it's still realistic. The opportunities for resume builders are still there. So, yeah, while this does feel like, you know, same old St. John's, right? One or two steps forward, three steps back. While this does suck and feel like a major blow to your tournament hopes, for sure. Because this is a bad, I know it's a Q2 loss, but this is a bad loss to a bad Butler team. Not a good Butler team. It's a bad loss. But it's not a loss that you can't overcome. So I'm not going to go on the spiel about, oh my goodness, it's the same old St. John's team. We've seen this time and time again. No. They lost a bad game. They played a bad game. The feeling was off this entire second half for me at least. But one bad game is not going to be enough to totally knock you out of the tournament, especially with the opportunities that they have. What this is, though, is a missed opportunity. This was a missed opportunity to get to 8-6 and six in the conference and to make it really easy on yourself down the stretch. I mean really easy for, on yourself. I'm not even going to play the hypothetical game, but we know if you're 8-6, and six, you still got a game against Providence, you still got a game against DePaul, two teams that are beatable. The, the road to you know 10, even 11 wins is, is very easy. Now the road to 10 wins is like, eh, let, let's see. You know, you got to take care of business against DePaul. You got to take care of business against Providence. You got to figure out a way to beat Xavier or UConn or Seton Hall or somehow upset Villanova again. I mean, the opportunities are there, sure. But this loss just makes the road that much difficult now. And that's what's frustrating is it was right there in front of you. So no, it's not same old St. John's. You know, it's it's not the same loss. It's the same type of loss that we've seen over the years, sure. Same old St. John's would have been losing this type of game to Providence on Saturday. They didn't do that. I'm not going to chalk this up as, you know, a letdown game or anything like that. Bad loss to a bad team in a game that you should have won. A missed opportunity to kind of take care of business and really stomp your foot down. Couldn't do it. And that sucks. And I'm pissed off right now. And I'm, I'm really deflated right now. But if you're listening to this and, and you're feeling that way and you're feeling deflated, it's all still right there, there in front, out in front of this team. The path is still there. It's just tougher now. So let's take a week off now. Let's regroup. And let's, let's beat Xavier if they play that game on Tuesday. That's the hope. But it's a missed opportunity for sure. And that's that's what kills you, man. Because that was a, a, a real game that you should have won. You know, as bad as you played, to still have a chance there in the closing seconds to just inbound the ball, make a couple of free throws, and that game's over. You know, there was 14 seconds left. Inbound that ball, get fouled, you know, get it to Julian, hit two free throws. There's 10 seconds left at that point. You got a four-point lead, man. That's what kills me. And what's going to kill me now is if this team does go 10-10 and in the conference, you know, wins one Big East tournament game, then loses, and they're 17-12, and and they're the third team out of the field. You know, and it'll be March 14th or whatever it is, and we'll be looking back and saying, man, that February game against against Butler, against a bad Butler team, 
with 10 with 14 seconds left we couldn't close it out that's what i'm worried about but again st john's has a chance to make this game not matter as much they have an opportunity to make this game forgettable you know they really do it's it's right out there in front of them so keep the faith stay positive this this streak was going to end eventually and now take care of business next week and stack up wins that's that's really all you got to do now is stack up wins win a couple of games that you're not supposed to win and and you know like i said the opportunity is there let's uh let's get some other perspective on this now we're going to bring in our guy jay DeMeo. Uh, he's come on many times. Feels like we've always had him on after some tough losses. So, unfortunately, that trend continues tonight. Uh, and please enjoy the interview, and we'll be back on the other end to wrap it up. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, I'm now joined by my man Jay DeMeo. He's come on after some brutal losses. I remember I had you on last year, I think, after one of the Georgetown losses. This one might take the cake, though, man. This was a, a tough loss for St. John's. Yeah, this one stunk. It flat out stunk. Um, it seemed like everything was kind of off, you know, coming into this game. You knew it was going to be a grind. This is a place we haven't won at for seven years. I know the fan base, including me and you, were obviously confident. Obviously, Vegas set that line for a reason. Everyone was talking about how crazy that line set was. But um, that that place is a nightmare for us, and it's going to continue to be a nightmare unless until they get a win out of there. And it stinks, but, you know, they gotta they just got to wipe it out of their minds and just focus on the ball. Or Xavier, yeah. whoever they have next. <laughs> no, it's, it's hard to even put together coherent thoughts right now, man. But you hit the nail on the head. That that arena has just been a, a house of a horror show for them. Even without fans, it just... It felt like the vibe in that arena was just like off the whole second half, you know, like the momentum. Even I, I guess that they have limited fans in Indiana. I don't know, but it just the whole second half just felt weird, you know, like like something you were waiting for, like the other shoot of drop almost, you know. Yeah, you didn't want Butler to get any sort of momentum because any time they got anything, it just seemed like they were able to build and build and build and build on it. And you could just tell once one thing went right for them, three other things went right for them. So, um, yeah, it sucks. And it sucks playing there, but it's a Big East road game and they had it for the taking and they just couldn't close the door like we've seen many a time before. Yeah, and I mean, one thing I want to note in the, in the second half, at least, St. John's in the second half. Obviously, Butler makes that little run to get back in it. St. John's goes back up nine then. And it, it kind of felt like, you know, the Providence game and even the Marquette game, and even the even the Nova game for a second, you know, big first half lead. The, the other team comes right back, you know, ties the game up, makes it a game. And then St. John's kind of, you know, stabilizes, makes that run and, you know, extends it to double digits or in this case nine this game though obviously butler you know hit a couple of threes to get back in it and it just felt like a different game i feel like from like the my my point is i feel like from like the 13 minute mark to like the 10 minute mark when the lead went from 49 to 40 back to 54 52 that little run for butler like changed the whole complexion of this game and really changed like what we've seen from st john's over the past couple of weeks yeah, it's it's frustrating, you know. We would I would like to see the team, you know, this is second game in a row now where they've had a commanding double digit lead very early in the first half. Yeah. I don't want to sound too picky with the way we've been playing because obviously no one expected this and yeah. it's great that mm-hmm. we've been having tournament talk right now, but if I'm going to be the 
picky guy and the devil's advocate. Once we get out to a 16-point, 20-point early first half lead, put your foot down, man. Yeah. Stop on the neck. I don't care if you're on the road or if you're at home. You got in that position for a reason. Don't let up. I don't know if they're letting up or if the other team is just turning up at the right time or what it is, but um, I don't want to have to be stressing through these games. I want to see them you know, put the foot on the neck and come away with a 20, 25-point win. I know that sounds greedy, but they're putting themselves in position to do it, and then you almost know like that an 18-point lead with St. John's is might as well be a seven point yeah <laughs> and that that was like i think that's the most frustrating thing for me is like i guess this is the original point i was trying to make is that you had that big lead you had that 16 point lead and yeah it went away but we've seen it go away before but then to get back up by nine in the second half and to blow that lead too which we haven't seen them do i think that's the most frustrating thing is this is not a good butler team obviously six and eight are six and ten overall, five and eight in the conference coming in. Like this is not a good Butler team, and you let them come back not once but twice in in you know crunch time. I think that's the frustrating thing to me because like that's just a sign of a non-tournament team for me. Yeah, that they definitely went back to their old ways tonight. <laughs> I think a big part of that also had to do with the officiating. I'm not saying it was good or bad, but I think it was bad. Yeah, it was bad. Was, uh, I'm not. Yeah, you you could say it. Um, <laughs> I think the officiating in general took us out of our own game because you saw it with Posh. Yep. We go as far as Posh takes us, and we rely on him so much. And when he can't get into his bully ball, into his in-your-face defending, um, nonstop grinding you, and then he has to be worried about fouling out by getting a ticky-tacky body foul, it changes a lot. Mm-hmm. And if we're not turning you over, the game's going to be closed by default. Mm-hmm. I mean. What what also got me going, you know, in in the second half especially, was the the defense around the basket. I mean, it felt like Butler was running that same play, and they ran it at the end of the of regulation too. Kind of that ISO play. I think it was Thompson at the end there. You know, and a clear out. Uh, you know, get get a one on one ISO play, and it was guys guards were just getting beat up. No one would come over. And yeah, rotate, and he would have an easy layup, and it was. Possession after possession. Yeah, after it was the same thing. Until the, the game time basket descended into overtime, and you knew they were scoring that basket. <laughs> you just knew. They couldn't foul to at least make them try to earn it at the free throw line. They just got it. It's easy as day, and defensively in the post, they had their way with us. Well, that's a question that I wanted to ask, too, and I, I thought about this, too. In that last possession, when how you know there's what 12, 13 seconds left, whatever it was, Butler was shooting one and one there. They're not a good free throw shooting team, like you mentioned. I think everyone knew they were scoring there. It's you know in some way, would you have fouled there to like just put them on the line and and hope that you know in a one and one they don't make both with a couple well with you know five seconds left or it ended up being two seconds left? Would you have just fouled there? Because I'm I would have thought about it. I mean hindsight is twenty twenty, but what, what would you have done? I'm gonna be honest with you in my mind. Um, I was not going through my head, but now that you bring it up, obviously, like you said, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, I wouldn't have blamed Anderson for doing that, and I probably would have said, you know what, in the moment, that's not a bad call, considering they've been having their way with us down there. So um, that's 100% a good observation on your part. And now, obviously, I wish they went to it. I wish it went down that way, but it didn't. <laughs> yeah, well, unfortunately, we're not the coaches Mike is. And I, I think he knows a little bit more about the game of basketball than we do, but, you know, yeah. you never know. Um, let's talk about, you know, late in the game, as well we were texting about the 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 inbounds you know with 14 seconds left up by a point there or up by two points there 
First of all, why is it going to Rasheem Dunn? Second of all, why is it going to Rasheem Dunn in the corner? I know you weren't a big fan of it. I don't think anyone was a big fan of it because it didn't work out. Uh, what were your thoughts on that last play? Yeah, I think if you want to criticize Coach Anderson at any point in this game, that could have been one. They still had a timeout. You know, um, I think if they didn't like what they were seeing, I guess they did like what they were seeing. I don't know what they were saying on the bench, but um, <laughs> it looked like there was all the means for you know a timeout to just reset and try to get them realigned, re-collaborated, mm-hmm. and just get their heads right to make sure they had a clean inbounds. Obviously, that didn't happen, and I don't know why they were set on Rasheem getting the ball in that position. Um, I would have probably went to Posh or Julian if you can. Yeah. I know they're probably guarding them a little harder, but I, I would force to make it happen. We've been seeing it these last two games. I know that Rasheem's been... I'm going to say this. He's been, he's probably the most frustrating St. John's player I've seen in a long time. Uh He could do so much good for you and so much bad. Uh It seems like every time he'll go drive in the lane, it's a turnover automatic. But then he'll hit a eight pull-ups in a row. It seems like he can get you back in the game and he defends well. So it's really frustrating, but you got to analyze the situations. And this isn't, you know, something new. We know late in-game situations exactly like this with the game literally threading by a needle. He's kind of come up short yeah. in, mm-hmm. in these moments. And aside from the inbounds, I haven't seen anyone talk about this. When he got sent for a one-and-one in overtime yeah. to try to get to a one-point game, he missed the front end of a one-and-one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's really frustrating to see because, like I said, it's something we've seen before, and I think you got to get it to your best players in that for winning the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, to your point about you know Rasheem and and you know being frustrating, you know it, it's hard to like get on him with this game. Obviously he had the turnover. First of all, the inbounds pass wasn't great either. It was at his ankles, but he 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 gets credited with the turnover there. But like he kept them in this game in the second half with a couple of his of his you know pull up jumpers that he hit. I think that's kind of like the the give and take with Rasheem. You know, like he he did so much in this game well that it's frustrating that you know the the last the enduring image of this game is going to be him turning it over in the last you know few seconds yeah spot on um but i i've been saying this with him it's like five three steps forward and then it's five steps back with him uh-huh. um, I, you can't put this whole thing on him no no not at all there was there's many things you can go to besides him but it just how the game played out and he was kind of front and center the whole final five minutes of the game into overtime and um it stinks but they just gotta they gotta move forward and um I know, like we've been saying, you know, um, after the Manova when it was like, oh, an old St. John's team will just lay down and lose to Providence, and mm-hmm. they didn't. They beat Providence. That's how we kind of said they would turn a corner. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> I think an old St. John's team right here would come out on Saturday, lose all momentum, and get the doors kicked in by DePaul or whoever they have next. So, yeah. uh-huh. This is another good test to see where this team's at. You had a brutal loss on the road against the team that you're better than in every fashion of the way how do you re- rebound from this where do you go you know your season is by no means a lock to get into the tournament this is where crunch time is really coming in the home stretch of the regular season how do you rebound from a bad road loss that you should have won and try to get things back in motion mm-hmm. yeah it's it's interesting i mean they have they have what the, a week off now or the weekend off i guess before they play xavier like you mentioned i mean you know, going into this game, I was I was thinking, man, it's going to stink to have a week off. We're going to lose all that momentum. You know, after this game now, I'm kind of like, maybe it's good for them to get, you know, a week off, clear their minds of this of this loss. And you're right. I mean, I think Xavier now becomes a huge game for them, even bigger than it would have been had this been a win. 
A thousand percent. Because when you look at the remaining schedule, who do you have left? You have Nova. That's clearly the best game remaining on the schedule. Yep. You don't know if UConn's going to have book night back or not. And I know with the small sample size we have of Xavier, but in my opinion, outside of Nova, this is the best um, remaining game you have to boost yeah. your resume. Mm-hmm. You're at home. Um, in the past couple of years, it's kind of been going back. And oh wait, no, I'm sorry, we haven't. We haven't beat Xavier since. Yeah. 2015. <laughs> yeah. So if there was ever a time to get that win, it's uh, next week. So um, they're a good team. Um, obviously, like I said, history is not on our side, but that all goes out the window. You gotta, you gotta break. You couldn't break the Butler curse. You gotta break this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the hopes for the tournament. I, I think they're still there. I mean, they take a huge hit tonight. Obviously, you know, knowing all the metrics, will someone said we'll drop to like 700th in the net. Ken Palm will have us in the 200 somehow. Lenardi won't even have us on the bracket anymore, I'm sure. You know, but it, we, we take a huge hit, I'm sure. But like the season is not over. I think you still need three wins. It's just harder to get them now, or you know, you know, as opposed no, to needing by, two. Yeah. By no means is the season over. And the common St. John's fan is going to have the sky is falling. Yeah. <laughs> to, to get in, but that's not the case. I know emotions are high, but everyone, let's take a step back and look at the big picture. There's what six or seven games left. Um, I think everyone forgot. Hello, there's a Big East tournament. You can, <laughs> make, you can, some, you can make up some ground there too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think obviously you want to take games. Um one step at a time but from the fans point just get the team to 10 wins have yep. them go 500 in a season where they were picked ninth. have them get to 10 wins no matter how they get to 10 wins there are going to be some good wins in there whether it's UConn Seton Hall or um, Nova mm-hmm. yep. you, you just get to 10 wins and let the rest play out and do what you can in the Big East tournament I firmly believe if they can get to 10 wins in conference that I think they'll at worst get a first four bid um, to the tournament I think so too I, I still think that if this like you said if this team is ten and ten, in if they play all their games first of all, if they're ten and ten, and if they're if they're what sixteen and eleven going into the Big East tournament, I think you you know you win a Big East tournament game, you go seventeen and twelve with eleven conference wins. Like I don't know how. I mean, I know that they love the Big Ten, and, and I hate to play bracketologist because I'm not a bracketologist, but I don't know how they get kept out if they still get to the ten wins. You're right, and like I don't know how we would not consider that a successful season even if we don't make the tournament. You know, well it's just like given the expectations going into the season I still think that there's a lot of hope to just even have this be a successful season if you can get to 500 in the conference I mean yeah exactly look where we were three weeks ago exactly yeah we were one in five and if we told ourselves three weeks ago that we were going to have this conversation you would have called us a lunatic exactly exactly so we the progression has been shown that's been set that's been shown already for this season you know everything else is we're playing with house money at this Mm -hmm. point Mm-hmm. And obviously, we're at the point where we obviously want to succeed because we're we we made it this far. But like you said, if they get to ten wins and it's out of their hands if they get in or not, it stinks. But we knew that there's nothing they can do. We don't want to see this team end up with eight or nine conference wins, a loss to DePaul, <laughs> a bad loss to Providence, and obviously get no game as a lock from here on out. Yeah, just mm-hmm. like I said, just get to ten wins, let it get out of your hands, win a Big East tournament game. I think it's going to be at the Garden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Um, just control what you can control. Yeah. No. Exactly. Just keep winning. You know, that's the thing. Like, you know, if you if you win your games, which they didn't do tonight, obviously, but if you win your games, it's going to be hard for them to uh, to keep you off the bubble. But I mean, what's going to kill me on the flip side of that uh, is, you know, if you go ten and ten in the conference, and if you get left out, if you're, you know, the the second or third team out of the tournament, we're going to look back at a game like tonight. You know, obviously the the first Georgetown game as well, but especially a game like tonight, and we're going to say. 
damn, you know, that was that was a missed opportunity and that was the game that kept us out. That's what I fear is like tonight turns into that type of a game, you know? It very well could be. And yeah. to be the doubter, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think it will happen, <laughs> but I really wouldn't be surprised. I think the thing St. John's is working in their advantages. I was looking at a bunch of bracketologists and teams that were kind of near in that race is a bunch of A-10 teams and mid-majors, mm-hmm. Colorado State, um, St. Louis, Dayton's making their way. I think if they can get to 500 in, in conference, I don't see how the committee puts one of those teams over us, because mm-hmm. you got to assume we're going to have a lot more quad one and quad two wins. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Nova in their back pocket. That, that win is going to take them to the moon. Mm-hmm. So just get to 500. That has to be the goal. Get to 10 wins in the conference some way, somehow. Exactly. The uh, the, the, the sky is... is... It's it's lowered, but it's not falling just yet, and everything's gonna be okay, and, and we'll figure it out. I, I like I, on, on paper right now. This is a quad two loss. So yeah, I think everyone's a, everyone's a Butler fan from here on out. <laughs> exactly, absolutely, yes, and I think that's that's the perfect way to end it, man. You know, there, there's still hope going forward, and we, we can still do this, man. Thank you for uh for hopping on with me late night. I really really appreciate it as the, as the clock strikes midnight here. Uh, anytime, man. Hope to be on soon. Thanks for having me. All right, have a good night. You too. <laughs> as we wrap this show up there's not much else to say um that's just a it's it's a it's a tough tough loss and it's it that one's going to sting for a while for sure you know especially how this season ends uh that's that's going to hurt for a while but as we talk as we just talked with jay as we mentioned in the open there's some positives to take out of this season regardless and i i hate to play that game but there are you know, we're, we're having these conversations, you know, be thankful that we can be getting pissed off at, you know, a mid-February game now. And it's not just because, oh, it's same old St. John's. It's because we're on the bubble and that's a bad bubble loss. Just be thankful of that, you know, take a second to think about that at least. But at the end of the day, you know, how impactful this loss is, as we said, is going to determine how St. John's responds from it. You know, does this loss crater your season? You know, do you play okay down the stretch, stay on the bubble, and this loss is the one that kind of knocks you out? Or do you play good enough down the stretch? Do you win, you know, four games down the stretch and go four and two down the stretch? And this loss ends up not mattering in the end. You know, it's still all right out there in front. So we'll see how they respond now, but... At the end of the day, you know, this loss sucks. It's not the end of the world, though. It just makes things a lot tougher um, going forward. But, man, it, it's it's hard not to just be really, really upset down the stretch. Uh, I want to just, you know, get to some other stuff as well real quick before I sign off. Um, Isaiah Moore had a really nice game, went 5-6 of six from the field, had those uh, 10 points in the first half all on dunks. I'm not sure why they went away from him so much in the second half. That was a little weird. Uh, Roberts down the stretch too. They were getting killed in the paint, and I don't think Moore or Roberts were uh, on the court there down the stretch, which I didn't like. That was weird. They went with Erlington, who wasn't really having much of an impact on the defensive end, did grab five rebounds, but... That was weird that Moore and and Roberts didn't really see the court much at the end there. Just a, a weird uh, coaching decision there by Mike, who his rotations have been very, very good. That one was kind of weird to me, and I just wanted to note that uh, as well before I sign off. Uh, Vince Cole didn't have a very good game. 
went one of four, misses only three pointer, only had two points. St. John's is at their best, you know, when Cole takes, you know, seven, eight shots a game and knocks down three or four and hits a couple threes and scores, you know, eight to ten points or something like that. And he didn't do that tonight. Um, it's going to be tough for them to win very many games at all, you know, with the offensive output that they that they got really from, you know, even Posh, you know, only getting eight points tonight. Vince Cole obviously only scoring two. Um, it's it's, it's going to be tough. You know, obviously Isaiah Moore stepped up. Julian was his usual good self, but going to be tough on the offensive end to win games when Posh and Vince are uh, are really both struggling. And St. John struggled from three-point range tonight. You know, four of 17. The three ball was not falling tonight. It really was never falling from the jump. Um, uh, Julian hit a big one there in the second half, but other than that, I mean, you know, this is not a three-point shooting team, and they shot 23% from three. You know, and, and this would have been a really nice win, you know, in spite of that as well. That would have been another reason for this to be a really nice win. Would have been if because of you know your three point shooting was so poor in this game as well that you overcame that. But it was not meant to be, and now we uh, we got to turn our attention to Xavier. We got to wallow in uh, some self self pity for a little bit and some misery and uh, regroup as a fan base. Hopefully regroup as a team, and hopefully be back in Indianapolis you know a month from now for the uh, for the NCAA tournament. But. Like I said, that road just got a little bit more crowded and, you know, a few more turns and twists uh, after tonight's loss. But thank you all for listening. Uh, We will be back next week. We'll probably do an Xavier recap after that game. So be sure to check that out. Be sure to follow me on Twitter. Uh, Subscribe to the show on um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, let's go, Johnnies.